2: Warm and friendly love. Welcome to Lucky Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, got a terrific podcast for you today. As we are going to be heading out to my home state of Wisconsin in the second segment. That's where we find Bill Schmidt. He does some hosting with Sports Map Radio. He does Sports Map all night for them, so you're able to hear that Monday through Friday. Actually, bleeds into Saturday if you're out there on the East Coast. He does a great job following a little bit of everything. Going to talk about the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers, the landscape of the National League in general, and some of the games are going to be coming up on this Sunday, so it's going to be fun. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something I like to call Touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast, and you got one of two ways to be able to fire this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. Naming doesn't matter, so always send those into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I know that many of you guys ask what the best way to be able to support this podcast is. If you're downloading and listening, which if you're listening to this, you probably have. You're already doing your part, and if at some point you are able to send in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, all the better. So I really do appreciate it. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Saturday, including an absolutely awful beat on my New York post place So we're going to get into that, have some fun with it, find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. The
1: games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap.
2: If you had either the Seattle Mariners money line or the under in Indians versus Seattle Mariners, I wound up giving out the under for the New York Post. This was absolutely terrible. Game is four to one. Mariners leading. In the bottom of the ninth, with two outs and no men on, and somehow, someway, the Cleveland Indians come back to try it. Prior to that, you had seen just an absolute myriad of issues for the Seattle Mariners. The Indians and the Mariners have combined two of 18 with men in scoring position prior to that point, and the Mariners finish up the game. Oh, of 14 with men in scoring position, as Jake Fraley was able to get his third home run the season. That comes off Phil Maiton, and Dylan Moore is able to get his sixth home run the season. That comes off of Mr. Blake Parker, but for the Cleveland Indians, They win this game despite getting 28 outs out of their bullpen, Tristan McKenzie. He winds up not necessarily lasting too long in this start. He doesn't give up a hit, but in two-thirds of an inning, gives up four walks. Walked home a runner. Phil Maton from there gives up two runs in two innings. Nick Sandlin four outside of the bullpen. You wind up getting scoreless innings out of Nick Whitgrin along Trevor Steven. You wind up having Parker giving up a home run. And then from there, Sam Antiges, two scoreless innings. James Garncheck is able to get the win. And for the Cleveland Indians, you did wind up having Cesar Hernandez go deep off of Kendall Graveman. The first run all year that Kendall Graveman has given up. I believe that that is his 10th of the season, as you say, Kikuchi. Lights out in this one. He deserved a better fate. Seven scoreless innings. Graveman gives up that home run, and then the man that gave up all three runs in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, Rafael Montero, who's now rocking a 540 area. He has been terrible in save situations. Sixth blown save of the year in the Paul Seawald in the 10th inning. He loads the bases, has an easy play at home, and he winds up throwing it wide for an error. So. That's the way that things went for the Seattle Mariners. You yeah, figured that regression was going to be coming in because this is a Seattle Mariners team that, by the way, negative sixty-six run differential, and now has a thirty-one and thirty-five record. Should be thirty-two and thirty-four after that game. The team with the best home record out there in the big leagues that'd be the New York Mets. Now at seventeen and five at home, four to one the final. They take down the Padres for Joe Musgrove. Not a great start, certainly not a terrible one. He does go six and a third innings, giving up three runs, including a home run. Pierce Johnson comes out of the bullpen, gives up a solo home run in an inning, and Tim Hill is able to give you a pair of outs. But for the New York Metropolitans, going deep in this one, Jonathan VR off of Pierce Johnson. His second of the season, and Francisco Lindor all of a sudden is picking it up. He goes deep off of Joe Musgrove. Really, the lone form of Padres offense was a Fernando Tati's junior home run off of Marcus Stroman. That would be the lone mistake that Stroman will make six and a third innings, giving up that solo run for Tati. Is 18th of the season. He's now got 40 RBI. From there, Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz both give you a scoreless inning. And Aaron Loop is able to give you a pair of outs. So for the New York Mets, now 32-24. and 24, And they are doing a great job out there in the NLEs. They currently lead that division by a grand total of four games. That is the second largest division lead out there in baseball. The AL Central has the Chicago White Sox up in that one by four and a half games. And for the White Sox, they just completely unload on the Detroit Tigers. 15 to 2, the final. Jose Urena gets Urena all over. He winds up getting five outs. He gives up eight runs, seven of which were earned, including home run. Daniel Norris from there gives you a four outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Four runs given up by Bo Burrows After he goes one and two-thirds innings, you wind up having a run given up by Alex Lang in one and a third innings. Hero Castro and Jason Rogers, position players, had to pitch. a combined two innings. Rogers gave up two runs. Hero Castro, a flawless inning, so good for him. And then you wind up having a inning from Jason Foley. He winds up not giving up any runs, and the Detroit Tigers have a bullpen game coming up, so... That's absolutely terrific. And for Earl Castro, he threw a scoreless inning and got his first home run of the season. That comes off of Dylan Cease. That would be the low mistake that Cease would make. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings at home run. And then from there, Ryan Burr, Matt Foster, both give you two scoreless innings. And for the White Sox, despite all the damage they did, one home run in this one. That was off the bat of Brian Goodwin, of all guys. His first of the season as the White Sox. Goes 7-21 with men in scoring position. It was highly entertaining, to say the least. You know what else is highly entertaining? Watching the Arizona Diamondbacks' bullpen completely combust. They are now 5-31 and in their last 36 games. They lose to the LA Angels by a count of 8-7. Actually, I think they now might be 5-32 because they were at one point 15-13. They are now 20-45, and 45, so bad math there by my part. But still, you take a look at the Angels. Anthony Rendon has had a really bad year, but he gets his fourth home run of the season. That comes off of Caleb Smith. And Alex Cobb who look to be turning the corner a little bit. Not a great start from him. Five runs, given up in three innings. Bullpen of the Angels has been a little bit better with Jose Suarez really being a long guy. Gives up one run in four innings. He did give up a home run, and Rossio Iglesias gives up a solo home run in an inning, but was still able to get the save. Alex Claudio, a scoreless inning, going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks in this one. Josh Rojas, not once, but twice. His eighth and ninth of the season, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Gilb Smith didn't necessarily give you what you wanted him to. Gives up that home run to Rendon. Four runs give it up in four and a third inning. Taylor Clark, though, gives you five outs out of the bullpen, doesn't give up anything. Stefan squirrel scoreless inning, and then Umberto Cassianos gives up a run and an inning out of the bullpen. Has actually been relatively solid, but Joaquin Soria. Good grief, this guy's washed. He gives up three runs in an inning. And the LA Angels all of a sudden are back to 500 for the first time since May 2nd. Yep, that's the way the things are going. The Atlanta Braves are trying to get above 500 for the first time all year. And now they are back on a three-game losing streak. They lose to the Miami Marlins. Mike got a 42 for the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman gets a second home run in three games. He goes deep off of Anthony Bass. He had that one hook, line, and sinker for his 15th, but for Max Fried, not necessarily the world's greatest start. Giving up two home runs in Miami is not what you want. He gives up three runs in total over the course of six innings. You had Edgar Santana give up a run out of the bullpen as well. Josh Shamlin lowers his ERA to a 520 with a squirrel setting. but for the Miami Marlins, you wind up getting five squirrel settings out of Zach Thompson. How they have been able to mix and match? I have no idea, but Anthony Bender winds of up giving you five outs out of the bullpen. Richard Blyer was able to come in for an out. Anthony Bass gives up that home run, but Dylan Floro was able to get the save. And for the Miami Marlins, Adam Duvall, he winds up getting his 12th home run of the season off of Freed. And you wind up getting the first home run of the season out of a little bit of an unlikely source in Lou Diaz, who winds up getting his first hit and first home run of the season. So good on him. The Tampa Bay Rays continue to be able to dominate as well. 5-4, they wind up taking down the Baltimore Orioles. For the Orioles, the offense has actually come around a little bit for them. Problem is this is a team that is now 22 and 41, and they are 18 games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who have 41 and 24. I believe that they now have the best record by percentage points over the San Francisco Giants. We'll be getting to they're double-dipping a little bit, but for the Tampa Bay race, they didn't necessarily have the world's greatest pitching performance out of Mr. Rich Hill. You figured regression was going to come in. He had given up three runs in his last six starts. Gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings, including home run. Going deep for the Baltimore Orioles. Austin wins! He winds up being able to get a grand slam for his first home run of the season. From there, the Tampa Bay Rays will tighten down. Call him a Q2, scoreless innings. Ryan Thompson was able to work the team out of the fifth inning. Pete Fairbanks, Diego Casio both give you a scoreless inning. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, 4-14 with men scoring position. They get to Mr. Ore Lopez, who gives up five runs in four and two-thirds innings. He had been solid in the beginning part of games and then had really relented from there. He was just bad all the way around in this one. From there, Tanner, Scott is able to give you a scoreless inning. Trey Lincoln, Zill and Tater are able to combine for a scoreless inning. And Hunter RV gives you four odds. But for the Baltimore Orioles, things are not necessarily going well there. Let's get to that San Francisco Giants double dip. In Kevin Gosman's start, they wind up losing by kind of 2-0. This was game one for Gosman. He gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Kyle Schwarber, you've got a saying from him. He was able to go deep for his 10th home run of the season. And Eric Fetty Wap. Seven punchouts, five scoreless settings. Kyle Finnegan, Brandon, both are able to give you a scoreless setting. And by the way, Washington Nationals bullpen has their arms falling off because a lot of these guys pitched in both games. Jose Alvarez was able to give you two scoreless settings for the San Francisco Giants, but nothing doing for them on offense. And then in game two, it was 0-0 zero zero going into extras, so they wind up going to the eighth for the San Francisco Giants. Bullpen game for them as they wind up giving the start to Connor Menez, who winds up going two scoreless. Jarlin Garcias, Dominic Leon, Zach Liddell, Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, all able to give you a scoreless inning. Caleb Barger gives up the unearned run that begins on second in the eighth inning, which that's different for extra innings, but was able to hold down the fourth and get the win. And for the San Francisco Giants, it's two of 12 men in scoring position, but they were able to do enough as they wind up having to go up against Jeffrey Rodriguez, who in his start gives four scoreless innings, but then from there, Kyle McGowan, Tanner Rainey, Right and again, give you a scoreless inning. But Kyle Finnegan pitching for the second time in the day winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in the eighth inning. you got to figure that he's not going to be available today after pitching twice yesterday, including 26 pitches in the second game. And then Ryan Harper from there gives you a pair of outs. So that was very, very wild and crazy. Speaking of wild and crazy, the Oakland A's are getting wild and crazy. 11-2, they take down the Kansas City Royals for the Royals. Jackson Gower might need to be sent back down to the minors. He lowered his ERA from a 54 to a 36 after he gave up four runs and got four outs in the process. From there, Ronald Bolanos, who probably should be getting a start. Three and a third innings. He winds up giving up just one run in the process. You wind up getting four outs and one run giving up uh, the bullpen from Carlos Hernandez. And then from there, you wind up having... Wade Davis come in to give up five runs in an inning, including two home runs. Josh, shame out, though. He gave you a scoreless inning for the Kansas City Royals. Galvin Gutierrez was able to get a home run off of Asus Lazardo, who has been terrible at the bullpen. His first of the season for Lazardo, He gives up both the team's runs in one and a third innings. And I believe that Lazardo now is right around a nine ish ERA coming out of the bullpen. James Caparillion, he was tremendous. He winds up giving you six scoreless innings. Sumergio Romo gets out of the eighth inning in the Camberdrosian, closes things out in the ninth And for the Oakland A's. Matt Olson, 16th home run of the season off of Wade Davis. Wade Davis serves one up to Sky Bolt. Real name, first home run of the season in the Matt and able to get a sixth home run of the campaign. And for the Oakland A's, all of a sudden, this is a team that is really doing a great job. They find themselves two games out in front of the Houston Astros in the Western Division out there in the American League and for the Houston Astros they did wind up losing ground because they wind up losing to the Minnesota Twins this by a count of 5-2. to Luis Garcia had really been doing a great job for the Astros Astros have won each out of his last 5 starts but gives up 4 runs three which weren't in 4 and a 3rd innings. From there you wind up actually getting some decent bullpen pitching. Blake Taylor 5 outs out of the bullpen. Nivaldo Rodriguez has actually been able to do a good job he gets 4 outs for you and Brooks Raley gives up a run in the process going deep for the Minnesota Twins in this one off of Garcia. Mr. Or- DePlanco is ninth of the season, and Jose Barrios gives up two solo home runs over the course of seven innings for the Astros going deep in this one. Kyle Tucker was able to get his 12th home run of the season. And the bottom of the lineup, as you wind up having Robel Garcia get his first home run of the season, able to come up as the Houston Astros had scored at least four runs in 21 out of their last 25 games. And then from there, Enzo Robles, Taylor Rogers, able to close things out with scoreless eighth and ninth innings. Big for a Minnesota Twins team that has been Truthfully, one of the biggest disappointments out there in baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals have been disappointing lately. I believe that they have now lost something like 8 out of their last 10. They wind up losing to the Chicago Cubs by a count of 72. And for Kyle Hendricks, it's the 5th straight start in which the Cubs have won when he's been on the mound, gives up 2 runs over the course of 6 innings. Both solo home runs going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals. Nolan Arenado is 12th of the season. And Paul DeYoung, fresh off the injured list, is 8th home run this season. But for the St. Louis Cardinals... John Gant with one of the most amazing lines that you're ever going to find. He gets five outs. He gives up five runs on one hit. I'm not even kidding. He gave up five runs. All of them were earned on one hit. He wound up giving up a home run to Ian Hapaparay, his eighth home run of the season and then from there the bullpen would give up Home runs to one. Sergio Alcantara his second home run the season. That comes off of Jake Woodford and then Seth Alledge will give one up to Jock Peterson. His ninth as Alledge. Why is he giving up one run in an inning? Woodford one run while being able to record four outs. Andrew Miller was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. Junior Fernandez two outs. Alex Reyes along with Mr. Rendon, Anel Rodon, was able to give you scoreless innings as well, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, things out looking good and for the Cubs, best bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last three days, Craig Kimbrell able to come in for the save. You wind up having Dan Winkler, Andrew Chaffin both give you a scoreless inning, and Trevor McGill wound up getting into a little bit of trouble, but he winds up being able to get out of it, pair of outs and he was able to do his part as well. You wind up having the Cincinnati Reds continue to do their part as the Colorado Rockies. I kid you not. Now on the road, <laughs> 5 and 26 as they get pounded by the Reds, who are averaging 6 runs per game at home. 10 to 3, the final. For Irma Marquez, he got destroyed. Nine runs, eight of which were earned, give it up in 5 innings. And then from there, you wind up having Tyler Kinley give you a scoreless inning. Ben Bowden gives up a run in an inning, and you least just seen a scoreless inning. But for the Colorado Rockies, gosh, this was not good as Wade Miley had it going on. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of seven innings. Brad Brock, Sean Doolittle, flows it out from there, but for Wade Miley, he wound up having a pair of singles himself, which that tells you what sort of a day it was. And for the Reds, they do all of this without getting any homers. 6 of 14 with men in scoring positions. So the Rockies continue to be absolutely pathetic on the road. The Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, have been solid on the road. They take it to the Boston Red Sox. 7-2 the final for Steven Mass. A good start in this one. Eight strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run. Rafael Dolis gives up a run in an inning. But Jordan Romano, Anthony Castro give you scoreless inning. Tim Mazza was able to do a little bit of cleanup in. For the Toronto Blue Jays, whole bunch of bombs in this one. Flagler Jr. now leads the league in home runs. He goes deep off of Nick Pavetta in the first inning. That is his 20th home run of the season. Pavetta served one up also to Marcus Simeon. For his 14th home run of the season, Reese McGuire would go deep off of Brandon Workman. His first of the season, Kevon Biggio, also took Pavetta deep along Pobashev. For Bichette, his 12th of the season for Mr. Kevon Biggio, his fourth as Nick Pavetta. You figured regression was going to come in, and it did. Gives up four home runs in five innings, six total runs. From there, you wind up getting three scoreless innings out of a little bit of an unlikely source as Brandon Brennan, is the new long guy for the team, and he did a solid job right Workman, able to give up one run in one inning, and for the Boston Red Sox, 2-9 with men in scoring position, they were playing this game without Xander Bogart, so certainly was one in which they would like to forget there. And the New York Yankees would like to forget about this one as well, they wind up losing to the Philadelphia Phillies in a Vince Velasquez start, by a count of 8-7 for Jamison Tyon. He gives up four runs and got one out. Boy, there were a lot of guys that wound up giving not-so-great starts on Saturday. From there, Nestor Cortez Jr., three and two-thirds innings. He gives up a run. Luis Sessa gives up two runs in an inning. Juanita Peralta, Zach Britton both give you a scoreless inning. Chad Green, two scoreless, and then a Chapman. Comes in in the 10th, gives up the unearned run that cost him. Trio of home runs here for the New York Yankees. Rune Eduardo sixth of the season. Gary Sanchez was able to get his eighth. And then you wind up having D.J. Lemayo getting his fourth of the season, and that comes in the ninth inning off of our guy Hector Neris, who I just have absolutely no faith in has a closer whatsoever as Mr. Hector Neris. Why is it giving up three runs, all of which were earned in the ninth inning to force extras? So, there was that. Vince Velasquez, actually not a bad start here. Gives up two runs in five innings. Sam Coonrod gives up a solo home run in two innings out of the bullpen. Rangers Suarez gives up a run in an inning, and then Archie Bradley actually gets a W. Ever since coming off the injured list, he's been solid And for the Philadelphia Phillies. No home runs, but they go 8 of 19 with men in scoring position. So, they were certainly able to capitalize. Andrew McCutcheon was able to have a big part in this. Bryce Harper. list goes on and on in his affiliates. We're able to pound out 14 hits. Speaking of being able to pound out hits, we're going to be talking about this a little bit more with Bill Schmidt. The Milwaukee Brewers are averaging over five runs per game this month. 7-4, to four, they take it to the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Buckos, they had their opportunities and they went 2 of 16 with men in scoring position. For the Milwaukee Brewers, one Colbin Buns was not necessarily what you wanted him to be. Gives up four runs and four innings, only two of which were earned, but that error that was committed was by himself. I always think that those should be rewarded to the pitcher, but with that said, that's a discussion for a different day. From there, Eric Yardley, Devin Williams, Josh Hader all give you a scoreless sending Trevor Richards gives you two scoreless. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich, a 3-RBI day that is very welcome. The Brewers go 4 of 9 with men in scoring position and Chad cool he's not looking cool right now. He gives up 6 runs, 5 of which were earned in 3 and a 3rd innings. He was hurt by a pair of fielding errors from there. Clay Holmes gives up a run in 2 thirds of an inning. Chris Strand in a scoreless inning, along with Richard Rodriguez and Jason Shreve. 2 scoreless innings, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, things have gotten really bad. They are now 23 and 40 overall and this is a team that it looked like things were actually starting to come along a little bit for them. They were at one point twenty and thirty-one. That means that in their last fifteen games they are three and twelve. So that is not necessarily too terrific. And this was not terrific if you wanted backing the LA Dodgers. This game is currently in the ninth inning, but I can safely say that the Texas Rangers won this one going into the ninth. Ten to one. The Texas Rangers are currently up, and for the Texas Rangers, you wound up getting a pair of home runs as Nate Lowe was able to get his ninth home run of the season. And then the backup catcher in Jonah Heim was able to get a served for the Rangers. Kobe Oliver, five scoreless innings. You wind up having DeMarcus Evans and Josh Shorbich give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. Taylor Hearn did wind up giving up a home run. Lone form of brightness, really, for the Dodgers in this one. A.J. Pollock, fifth home run of the season for Trevor Bauer. His spin rate was down. Wouldn't you know it, And He gives up six runs, four of which were earned in six and a third innings. And then you wind up having Nate Jones come out of the bullpen, gives up four runs in an inning. Things got so bad that Andy Burns, who used to play in the KBO, made his major league debut, I think like four or five years ago, never got a hit, got his first and second career hits in this one. He wound up having a pitch in the ninth inning. So a very eventful day there, David Price, a pair of outs out of the bullpen for the Dodgers as well. So that was really intriguing for a Texas Rangers team that, I think it had a grand total of three home runs in their last eight road games that weren't at Coors Field. So they were actually doing a really bad job there. But hopefully we're doing a really good job of keeping you up on everything that's happening in baseball over the last 30 days, overs 199 and 185. So they're in out a 51.8% clip. Favorites are dominating. and 158, so that is right around a 60% clip if you're looking for the season. Favorites, 5.41 and 4.02, so that's 57.3%. Overs, 4.61 and 4.56, so we're seeing a little bit of a leaning to the overs, and if you're looking over the last seven days, because as we know, the baseball crackdown on some of these foreign substances starting to take effect, we have seen now 43 overs and 39 unders, so we're seeing a little bit of shift there. And for the favorites... They are 56-30, and 30, so hitting at just above a 65% clip. So that's what we all saw from Major League Baseball on Saturday and what we're all seeing with regards to trends in general. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to our good buddy Bill Schmidt. He does great work over there in the great state of Wisconsin with the game 97-3 in Milwaukee, also Sports Map Radio. Going to be talking about the NL Central, Milwaukee Brewers, National League landscape in general, and some of Sunday's games, as on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
1: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline.
2: And we're back here at Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. You're able to hear this man nationally Monday through Friday. If you're out there on the East Coast, it might extend into the next day as well, but he is out there on Map Radio doing Sports Map all night, as it is Bill Schmidt joining me on the podcast. He also does some work over there. With the game, 97.3, out there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Does some work with the Milwaukee Admirals as well, as well as Carroll College. Being someone that comes from a D3 university in the state of Wisconsin, I can always appreciate that. And to follow Bill Schmidt on Twitter, you're able to do so. At Bill Schmidt Radio, and I will spot that last name for you, S-C-H-M-I-D. And Bill, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Greg, thanks for having me on, man. I'm fired up to talk to people in the 702. It is always great to have you aboard, and it is great to be able to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers as well, because things are going well for them. This is a team that we know that the pitching is solid for this team. Brandon Woodruff, along with Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, three tremendous starters for this team. They're going to have on Sunday, Adrian Euser, a guy that they're hoping to form into a number four, number five starter going for them, but... When I take a look at this Brewers team, they've scored at least five runs in over half their games so far this month, and I really do feel like things are clicking right now for the Brewers now. With that said, they are also taking on some of the lesser teams in baseball, like the Arizona Diamondbacks and currently the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I think that things are really looking good for this Milwaukee Brewers team.
0: I agree You're spot on with how their offense has picked up over the last couple of weeks
2: as they've been able
0: to acquire Willie Adamas, a guy who's you know 25 years old and started for over two years at the shortstop spot, and it feels like everything is kind of solidified around Adamas since he's come in. The offense was, as you mentioned, it was one of the worst in baseball. A couple of weeks ago, before the Adamas trade, they had the 29th ranked team batting average in the league, so second worst in the league, and on base percentage, along with OPS, I believe they were 26th respectively, in each of those two. And you're seeing why, that team had at that point gotten all the way down to 500 and it was a slide that took them from you know 17 and 10 early in the year all the way back to 500 it cut out all the good work that they had done over that stretch now winning 14 of their last 18 games man it's been really really impressive to watch how the offense is starting to pick up the pitching a little bit right Corbin Burns you know four runs in a couple of games a couple of starts here in the last you know, three or four times out. And that's okay, right? I mean, it's realistic that you're going to get tagged for three or four on a given night here in and there out. Even the best guys in the league and some of the best rotations, you know, in the league, you're going to sit with a 2-3, 2-4 ERA generally most times. So the offense was bound to pick up their end of the bargain here at some point. And luckily, it's coming a really, really good time. And you mentioned it, the teams that they're beating up on, generally nobody is going to be arguing When you get to line up against, as I call them, the Cincinnati Slump Busters in the Cincinnati Reds there at that great American ballpark, ball just absolutely launches out of there, especially during the day. And the Brewers won a really, really tough game there earlier this week, man. They were down 2-1. They got into that Reds bullpen and tagged them for six. And I think that's where you can see this offense kind of taking off and getting after it a little bit here later on into the year and into the second half of the season once they get into teams bullpens because they're a pesky group man and they have some guys headlined by christian Yelich. the numbers aren't great quite yet but guys sees the baseball as well as just about anybody in the league he's getting on base at a four you know like almost a 400 clip with an average like 230 in the split is something you don't generally see they draw a lot of walks they get a lot of guys on base for the beginning part of the year they just weren't cashing in on those opportunities Law of averages is going to say, right, more opportunities (laughs) to get with guys in scoring position, you're going to be able to cash in. We're seeing some of the fruits of that labor here over the last couple of weeks for the crew, and it's been really, really good.
2: Yeah, it certainly has been tremendous, and it's really big because we've noticed that the St. Louis Cardinals have been slumping a little bit as well, and the Chicago Cubs as well. It seems like it's really becoming a Brewers and Cubs National League Central, and what I think is key for the Brewers is being able to, I would say, split whenever they're at Wrigley Field. Because what we're noticing with the Chicago Cubs is that they have been dominant at home. Going mm-hmm. into Saturday, twenty-two and ten at home, fourteen and seventeen on the road. Meanwhile, the Brewers have been pretty steady Eddie, eighteen and fifteen at home, eighteen and twelve on the road, which I do find to be incredibly impressive. So I do think that the big thing for the Brewers is to continue their. Just road dominance, because we've noticed that with the Cubs year in and year out, they're just a completely different team when they're at Wrigley as opposed to away from Wrigley. And then you mentioned the Cincinnati Reds. They're a completely different offense when they're at home versus on the road just because of what great American ball provides. And then with the Cardinals, I don't think we can count them out by the same time. I just expected a little bit more out of Paul Goldschmidt and the injuries Mm -hmm. that they have with the rotation, really putting them behind the eight ball.
0: I completely agree with you, Greg. I thought that St. Louis Cardinals meat of that order is as good as just about anyone that you're going to find in the game. You're talking about Goldschmidt and Arenado. To a lesser extent, add in Bader there in the back end who defensively is outstanding. I really like their young player Carlson, outfielder got a lot of nice pop in his bat. They're just such a pesky group, and they're always well-managed. They're always in it towards the end of the year, so I'm not going to count out St. Louis quite yet. They got some issues in that bullpen that they got to figure out. The Cubs are the one that, to be honest with you, I'm quite surprised with. I I didn't anticipate Chicago being able to hang tough with their rotation as well as their bullpen here over the last couple of months. I thought sooner or later that they would kind of fade out, but we're here into June and you're not fooling anybody after 60 games. That's usually a pretty clear measuring stick as to what kind of baseball team you're going to be for the year. And the Chicago Cubs, man, they have a core that <laughs> while a lot of people have given up on them in years past and living here in Milwaukee, I get 670, I get all the Chicago stations and, and I hear some conversation where folks were kind of done and ready to move on from You know, Chris Bryant, get him on out of here. He doesn't want to be a cub for life. We don't need him. I think you're learning exactly what that lineup was. And it's one of the better ones in the game. To your point, at Wrigley Field, they are really, really tough. And when that ball is flying out, they're going to be hard to beat because they got guys that can put the bat on the baseball, as we've learned in 2021 that's not necessarily the easiest of propositions are for some of these guys to be able to just put the bat on the ball and at Wrigley man when the wind is flowing out in the summertime weather gets hot humid it can be a little bit of a launching pad in this division I think the Cubs are here to stay and it's going to come down to I think those three teams I would put it still with Milwaukee. With St. Louis and with Chicago and Cincinnati in the rear view, looking back, the Reds team's kind of puzzling, man. They spent a bunch of money and they've been ravaged by some injuries here as of late. They got some to talk about Winker and Castellanos. It's a really, really good offensive division. And it's one that's a lot of fun for, well, I mean, if we're going to talk some overs, we're also going to talk some dailies. You can really tap and get some good value (laughs) with some bat and some pop that you get in this NL Central.
2: Oh, no question about it with the Reds. Just so many home overs with that team. It makes it a whole lot of fun to be able to watch those games as we do at Bill Schmidt of Sportsman Radio. Joining me on the podcast and It's been a lot of fun to watch the San Francisco Giants this year. We all thought that it would be a Dodgers versus Padres race. And so far, both of these teams have been relatively solid. The Padres have dropped a couple in this series against the New York Mets, but the Mets actually have the best home record out there in the big leagues. They have actually been incredibly impressive with that regard. But I take a look at the Giants and I just don't see them fading away. And I do think that there's an outside opportunity that we could wind up seeing three NL West teams make the postseason because it feels like every single week people are like, oh, the San Francisco Giants are going to fade away. The San Francisco Giants are going to have regression. And every single week they just keep hanging in there. I think that this is a bunch in which they don't necessarily have big names, but they've got guys that have sort of been there, done that, guys that have sort of been journeymen that have been able to find themselves. I think that this is a Giants team that's here to stay. It's weird when you talk about teams that got pedigree, right?
0: Like winning championship pedigree. And once Bruce Bochy left that organization i think we all kind of anticipated that would just kind of go away and i think we're all remembering how good buster posey is in this season i know at least i am as picked him in fantasy baseball and it was more of a joke because busting inter posey was a pretty solid name that you could have for your fantasy baseball name so i was thinking like okay cool i'll get a catcher in here it'll be all good my man's just raking bombs in a division greg that's not easy to hit the ball out of the ballpark and you're talking about a lot of pitchers parks out there in the NL West, and what I've loved about the Giants so far this year, you just look at the guy that's at the top of their rotation, Kevin Gosman, a guy that the organization took somewhat of a flyer on in the years past where everybody across the league knew that Gosman had some electric stuff. It was just going to take the right coaching. It was going to take the right patience and the right tweak maybe into a mechanic or you know, maybe into an Amazon spider tech situation i'm not saying i'm just saying we don't know anything about anybody in the game right now but you see a guy that had the electric stuff that just needed some time to develop and the fruits of that are paying off man he has been lights out so far this year and in that division the giants are the more veteran club outside of the dodgers right the pedigree is outstanding and they've been hit with some injuries as well i expect them to have a month here where they look like the best team in baseball because the salary cap will show it but That Giants team does have a lot of championship pedigree. And at some point in a year where, you know, clutch hitting is going to be the most important thing, I believe, here in these last three, three and a half months, guys that are not too overwhelmed by the moment and can make true adjustments veteran guys I think are going to have a little bit of a leg up here as we continue on into the summer months and into the 2021 season
2: and we've already seen it with so many of these veteran guys like a Wade Miley like a Spencer Turnbull being able to get no hitters as well so I am in lockstep with you as we do have Bill Schmidt of SportsMap Radio joining me on the podcast and Bill when you take a look at the games for Sunday is there one or two that you're intrigued by because I did mention the NL Central we've obviously got Cardinals versus Cubs, that's going to be going down on Sunday Night Baseball. We've got some good teams out there in the American League that are going to be doing battle, especially the American League East. I'm very intrigued to see that Blue Jays versus Red Sox game, but is there one or two that really jump out to you for Sunday? Hard not to keep your eyes on Padres
0: and Mets and guys in the back end of that rotation when you're talking about Chris Paddock. that If the Padres, I think, are going to be able to Climb the Dodgers and the Giants, like we were kind of just talking there. I think they're gonna need Paddock to be a little bit more consistent for what he's done into that rotation and as well, just from an offensive standpoint. I love being able to see that. As well, with the Minnesota Twins are just so puzzling to me. I anticipated that they would be a much improved ball club. I've really enjoyed watching. The Astros under Dusty Baker over here in the last, you know, year and some change if you count the 60 game piece last year. So I've kept my eye pretty firmly on that team as well. But man, year you're going to pair, I think two of the better teams in the league and the numbers will bear that out with the Padres and Mets. I've been pretty dialed into this series. It hasn't disappointed that Mets rotation, Greg, man, it's pretty obviously headlined by DeGrom, but it's deeper than I think people give it credit for as well.
2: I agree with you. With the Mets, they're also going to be getting back Noah Syndergaard along with Carlos Carrasco, mm-hmm. who they wound up acquiring in that Francisco Lindor trade as well. And then keep in mind, like I think still over half their starters from opening day are banged up. Guys like J.D. Davis coming back, Michael Conforto yeah. goes on and on. I really do think that out of the teams out there in the National League, I think the Mets have really the best, I guess you could call it upside of any of these teams because when they get those guys back and they're already leading the National League East without them, I think that they could really lay waste to all these other teams because the Phillies have been a, yep. a bit disappointing. The Nationals are not doing anything. The Miami Marlins have been playing tough, but at the same time, it's the Miami Marlins. And with the Atlanta Braves, do I expect them to pick it up a little bit? Yes, but they're not going to be getting back Mike Soroka, Marcel Zuna. We all know about that situation. list mm-hmm. goes on and on. And I really do think that the Mets have a good chance to be able to run away with that East.
0: Yeah, it's just the Braves. That's a head scratcher to me, too just such a consistent ball club over the last couple of years, but you mentioned the two guys that are headlining that are not going to be on that roster. It sure feels like the stars are aligning Cohen's first year as the owner. How much longer until they start putting a statue out in front of the (laughs) city field? Guy comes in for a year, and it feels like they're going to run away with the NL East. We'll see what they do in the offseason and the postseason, but that Mets team mentioned it was Syndergaard coming back and Carrasco. They could be one of the more dangerous teams come October with pitching like that.
2: Totally agree with you, and a man that is always very dangerous and always does great work that'd be you bill i absolutely love the work that you do over there at sports map radio a fellow Wisconsinite, and those people are always welcome on this podcast. You do a wide sure. variety of things, everything from Carroll University to the Milwaukee Admirals, obviously, sports map radio list goes on and on. So, lots of good people at home, know what you've all got going on, and now they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. It's at Bill Schmidt Radio, S-C-H-M-I-D. I'm a low-T kind of guy is the easiest way. that I'll throw that out there. And pretty much everything, it's the same. You know, if you want to follow out on uh, IG as well, the <laughs> weather throw some stuff out there on Instagram as well. But Craig, I appreciate you having me on, man. You know how much uh, I follow you and just love the work and the content that you put out, man. Absolute workhorse. And that's what it's about, right, man. We got a lot of time to sleep while we're gone. So while we got time to talk about sports and baseball and hockey and the NFL, and even as frustrating as this Aaron Rodgers thing is getting for me, I still enjoy being able to do it for, you know, as many hours of the day as we can when we produce over there at 97, three, the game and host on sports map all night.
2: Ah, uh, Absolutely, It's always so much fun just to be able to do what we love. Bill certainly does that. I do this on both this podcast along with my college basketball podcast, Hoopin' with Hoops over there at Beeson as well. And it's always great to get people that are passionate about what they love. And guys that are knowledgeable, Bill Schmidt certainly fits the bill. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed journal on every game on the betting board for this Sunday as we touch them all.
1: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
2: We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Bill Schmidt over there with SportsMap Radio along 97.3, the game out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday and a little something you like to call... Touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Per usual, do note that any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at jrs 41. As per usual, we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation, order. this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any Interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We do not have any double dips today, so... We do not have to worry about that, and we're going to be going with the first Ashley game. That'd be 901 902 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Currently, this is a line only posted at the Westgate because there was a little bit of mystery as the these pitchers, but it is going to be Joe Ross going for the Nets. Meanwhile, one Johnny Cueto is going to be going for the Giants. The Giants are finding themselves as minus 128 favorites. You're finding the Washington Nationals at plus 118 and your total on this game it is 8.5 with the over and under at minus 110 both ways and this is a situation in which because you want up seeing the bullpens get used so much for the Washington Nationals and just a general lack of faith in the Washington Nationals I'm saying the Giants is more around a minus 143 favorite and I'm going to be setting this total at 8.7 so we're going to be taking a look at the over in this spot with Johnny Cueto. He certainly isn't necessarily the Johnny Cueto But at the same time, he's been able to do a relatively solid job so far this year. He's giving up right around .8 home runs per nine innings. The walks have been cut down as well. He's given up 1.5 walks per nine innings. Joe Ross, meanwhile, he's giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. He's given up 11 home runs in 54 and two-thirds innings. And you take a look at their recent form of Ross. He has given up at least four runs in three out of his last four starts. And the one in which he did not end up giving up four-plus runs, he only went four innings in. So that's a little bit of an issue with the Washington Nationals. They didn't necessarily get what they had desired game two of their double dip as they wind up losing that one after they actually got Jeffrey Rodriguez to give them four innings, but they had to go through Brad and Kyle Finnegan, Ryan Harper, guys like this, so that hurts some, and then when you take a look at the lineup, I'm just not necessarily too impressed by this team. Trey Turner down for what has been solid, 304 batting average, he's got 10 home runs, but the problem is he's been suck on 10 home runs for like four weeks. Ryan Zimmerman hitting a 280 for this team. The on-base percentage of Juan Soto is a 400, but he's hitting at 267. And so far this year, he's gotten eight home runs in right around 180-ish at-bats. So he needs to pick it up a little bit more with regards to the power. Jan Gomes has been able to do a solid job of getting on-base along Josh Harrison, 345 on-base. But you don't necessarily have those guys that are going to be able to drive you in. And then for the San Francisco Giants, if you got a lot of guys that have been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base for this team as well. I take a look at a guy like a Brandon Belt and a Wilmer Flores. Both of these guys hitting a 230 or lower, but Flores 316 on base, Brandon Belt 350 on base. He's able to provide a little bit of pop. Mike Huserumski is back after he was a little bit injured. Another guy with a sub 225 batting average, with north of a 325 on base. And then you've got Buster Posey hitting right around a 333, double digit amount of homers. Lamonte, Wade, and Donovan Solano have been a pair of guys hitting above a 2.55 for this bunch as well. And then you take a look at the Giants' bullpen. No question, they wound up getting used up as well. Caleb Barger, Jake McGee, Zach Liddell, Dominic Leon. They wind up all getting used up yesterday, but I do have a little bit more faith that Cueto is going to be able to lend more length for the Giants and you're going to be able to see out of Joe Ross. I do think that you might be able to see Sammy Long in a little bit of a bulk roll as well. He wound a blast pitching on Wednesday, one about four innings, so... It's conceivable that you could get a little bit of something there. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, they don't necessarily have this availability because Max are on Friday wound up getting pulled after being able to record one outside. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of a tough situation, which is why I'm going to be riding with the over in this spot and with the Giants, set them more around a minus 143 favorite. So we're going to be riding with them. 903-904 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres at the road off against the New York Metropolitans. Joey Lucchese is going to be going for the Mets. Chris Paddock is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves as favorites here, anywhere between minus one twenty-six and minus one thirty-four. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, anywhere between plus one ten and plus one twenty-three, your any anywhere between seven and a half and eight on the seven half. Over is anywhere between minus one fifteen and minus one twenty. The unders any work between even a minus one oh five on the eight. Unders any work between minus one ten and minus one twenty. Over is anywhere between even a minus one ten. Joey Lucasia has faced off against his former team, the San Diego Padres, actually quite a bit so far this year and Well, the ERA is currently sitting there at a 579, but he's given up right around one home run per nine innings, so he's been able to do a solid job there. Now, you take a look at what wound up happening in the last few starts out. He has given up one run or fewer in four out of his last five total appearances because he's made a couple long relief appearances as well. But at home, he has been dominant. Buck 29 ERA. On the road, 729 ERA. So vastly different home to road opponents are earning a buck 74 off of him whenever he's in New York. And then you take a look at Chris Paddock, someone who has actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. You don't see this very often for San Diego Padres pitchers just because San Diego is such a pitcher-friendly ballpark. But he's been able to do a relatively solid job this year. Opponents are earning a 245 off of him on the road. So I do think that you're going to be able to get some solid innings there with the Padres. They certainly have a good bullpen. The Mets have a solid bullpen. Both of these bullpens are in the top eight with regards to ERA, the Mets bullpen, giving up a couple fewer home runs, but you still have quite a few guys on both sides that you're going to be able to look to. Someone like Miguel Castro for the Mets is going to be someone that you probably look to. You're probably going to be looking at Trevor May as well, and then with the San Diego Padres, Tim L has been highly reliable for this team. Winds up getting used up yesterday, but you still have guys like Bell, Chris Madd, Austin Adams, the list goes on and on. And for the Padres, what has really been the issue for this team is that they're just not putting up runs in general. I believe that they have exceeded four runs so far once in the month of June, which is just unlike them because even though the batting average of some of these guys is very low, I'm taking a look at Someone like a Manny Machado, a Tommy Pham, Drew Profar. All these guys hitting below a two hundred forty for this team. They all found bases that are above a three twenty, but they're just unable to drive them. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has 18 home runs in. He's really been getting the lion's share of them. You expect a little bit more out of guys like Jake Cronenworth, Will Myers, when it comes to power because these guys are getting on base. They're just not driving them in. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Mets. This is a team that's going to get healthier and healthier. You've got Jonathan Villar along with Pete Alonso in between a 240 55 and a 260. Both of these guys north of a 337 on base. Francisco Lindor has been a hot mess all year long, but he's now at the very least hitting at 215. He was below the Mendoza line for much of the season. Kevin Pilar has been able to give you a tad bit of something as well, so I do like what he's able to bring to the table. And James McCann in recent games has been able to pick it up as well. I do take a look at this spot, and certainly you do have a little bit more trustworthiness when it comes to Chris Paddock rather than Joey Lucchese, but Lucchese, he himself has been very good at home. You always want to be checking these splits. When it comes to some of these pitchers, but I wound up setting the Padres as more around a minus 132 ish favorite, so I'm gonna be riding with them. And then when it comes to the total, did wind up setting it at 7.7. So I'm gonna be taking one of these eights under personally, and I'm gonna be going with the San Diego Padres in this spot. 905, 906 on the betting board. We've got the Atlanta Braves hitting the road face off against the Miami Marlins. Pablo Lopez is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, Drew Smiley is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. So is anywhere between 7.5 and, and 8. On the 8, under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 7.5, over is anywhere between... Well, this is quite a range here. Anywhere between minus 115 and even money. Meanwhile, the under, that is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 105. So... Got a little bit of hair braininess there. You've got the Miami Marlins anywhere between a minus 127 and a minus 136. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Atlanta Braves, that is anywhere between plus 110, seeing as eye as a plus 121 as well. And for Drew Smiley, he's just not backable at this point. I would need more like a plus I should be able to take a look at the Atlanta Braves. I do recognize that the Braves are playing a little bit of better baseball recently, but you're still without Marcelo Zuna, and they're going to be for Hopefully quite a while if he is guilty of what we all think that he is. It's not necessarily going too terrific there. Ronald Acuna Jr. He has been terrific. 391 on base. Double-digit amount of homers. He has been soft. Freddie Freeman has had a homer in two out of the team's last three days. Hitting a 237 but a 353 on base. Slugging percentage is there with the Mozzie 260 batting average. He's got an on base of a 333. Austin Riley has been able to do a solid job. Long, Abraham Almonte who's currently hitting a 285. That's been nice. Even guys like Guillermo Radia, William Contreras. They've been able to give you a tad bit of something, and you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Certainly, this is a team that they lack a ton of power, but Asus Aguiar... 49 RBI and 12 home runs. He has been tremendous in the middle of this lineup. You can pack the Marte Parte, Starling Marte. 345 batting average with a 441 on base. He has been absolutely amazing for the team. Adam Duvall, even though he's not necessarily getting on base for the team, he does have 12 home runs despite his 205 batting average. Now, guys like Sandy Leon, John Birdie, on Diaz, they're going to need to step up because Jorge Alfaro is currently on the injured list. So Sandy Leon is going to need to step up. But Jess Chislam hitting a 280 for this team. So you've been able to get a tab of something there and for the Miami Marlins this is a bullpen that has been pretty rock solid they did have to dip into quite a bit of it yesterday as you wind up getting five innings out of Zach Thompson so got to figure that Yimi Garcia, John Curtis with two S's guys like this are going to be called into action and for the Atlanta Braves you got to just figure that the bullpen is going to need to be used a lot because Drew Smiley is so terrible. So guys like AJ Minter, Tyler Mazek are going to need to pick it up. And then when you take a look at Drew Smiley, it has been a terrible year for him with regards to giving up our contact. 15 home runs in 51 innings. That is not good. That is just below... 3 home runs per 9 innings, and you take a look at him on the road. Has actually been better than he has been at home, but still not great. 483 ERA on the road. He has given up 7 home runs in 31 and 2 thirds innings, so it has been very brutal for him. And then you take a look at Mr. Lopez, a 2-3 and three record, not indicative of how he's pitched so far this year. .9 home runs per 9 innings. The command has been pretty solid with him as well, and at home, Buck 21 ERA, 1-2 and two over his 7 starts, but he's got opponents hitting a buck 72 off of him. He's issued 10 walks in 44 and two-thirds innings, given up two home runs. He's done a great job for the team, so I've got a lot of faith here in the Miami Marlins. We're going to be taking it with them, and when you take a look at this total, you've got two interesting parallels, a guy in Mr. Lopez who has been able to give up no hard contact whatsoever, especially at home, and a guy in Drew Smiley who's given up a whole bunch of hard contacts, so... In this spot, I wound setting it at 8, so I'm going to be riding with the over along with the Miami Marlins. 907, 908 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati. And Tony Santillian is going to be going for the Red Legs. Meanwhile, Antonio Santillian is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies with Santillian and the Reds. Hopefully, I'm saying that one correctly. Apparently, it's a silent L from Baseball Reference where I took a look at this. You're finding the Reds anywhere between minus one forty eight and minus one sixty seven favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus one thirty six and plus one forty five. Your total on this game is nine and a half. With the nine and a half overs anywhere between minus one hundred five and minus one twenty. The unders anywhere between even a minus one fifteen. For Santián, it is going to be his first start of the year, and at Triple A, it's not like he wound up lighting up with regards to the record, but he actually did a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fourth. This is a a gentleman that he comes in from the state of Texas. I know that that's where he wound up doing a lot of his younger pitching. If you take a look at his A Louisville numbers for the year, not great, not terrible. The 1-3 record is terrible, but a 2.51 ERA, he is giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings with half punch outs per nine innings as well. Command has always been a little bit of an issue for him. You take a look at all levels of baseball for him, right around 3.8 walks per nine innings. So you do have to be cautious of that. And for Antonio Sensatella, This is a guy that's just absolutely terrible on the road and he's facing off against a Reds team that they're averaging right in the neighborhood of about six runs per game at home. So that is not necessarily a good combination either. You take a look at Sensatella. He's not necessarily a hard tosser. He has been able to get right in the realm of about six punch outs per nine innings and on the road this year, 675 ERA. 0-3 and 4 starts. Opponents are earning 3.55 off of him and he's given up right around two home runs per nine innings. And then he's backed up by a bullpen that has been by far the worst on the road so far this year, Yancy Almonte is still in the bullpen and he's got a 1232 ERA. That is absolutely terrible. Lucas Gilbreth has not been good for this team. Tyler Kinley is rocking an ERA that's hovering right around a five ish. You've got Robert Stevenson, who has not necessarily been too terrific. And I will say this for the Reds. It's not like their bullpen is necessarily too terrific either. T.J. Antone, it looks like, is currently unavailable for this team. Brad Brock, Sean Doolittle, wind up getting used up yesterday. And Amir Garrett has just not been able to produce for this team. I'm pretty sure that he's probably not going to be pitching in this game. And if he does, that's not necessarily a good sign. But Lucas Sims has been solid. Art Warren is someone that I actually think is going to be able to give this team some good innings. I do think that we're going to have a little bit of a slugfest here because you've got a Cincinnati Reds team that for one they play in this ballpark. We were talking about that a little bit earlier with our good buddy out there in the state of Wisconsin, Bill. But you've got Jesse Winker along the Cassianos. Both of these guys north of a 410 on base. Both of these guys have been able to belt him out with at least 13 home runs apiece. With Jesse Winker, he's up to 17. You've got Jonathan India, who at home is hitting right around a 300. on the road. It's certainly taken a drop off. And then you've got Taylor Naquin. 11 home runs so far this year, but at home, he's been able to hit 8 of them. He has done his best work over there in Cincinnati. And for the Colorado Rockies on the road so far this year, they're hitting as a collective right around a 205. it It's been absolutely terrible. Now you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Brendan Rodgers, who's got a three. 3- fifty on base. Trevor Story is back for the scene. He, CJ Crone, Garrett Ampson, Josh Fuentes. They're all in between a two forty and a two fifty. Ryan McMahon. Probably gonna be available for this game as well, but This is a Colorado Rockies team that, on the road, they have just become a complete and utter fade. When it comes to the straight-up money line in this spot, I actually don't think that it's necessarily too bad of one. I wound up saying the Rockies as a mid-140s underdog when you take a look at just the money line. I set them at plus 146 personally, but then you take a look at the run line. You're able to get the Reds currently at right around a plus 125. That certainly does appeal to me. I'm going to be taking the Reds on the run line in this spot because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. I personally wound up setting this total at 10.2, especially with neither of these teams. Not having much bullpen help whatsoever, and I think that both of these starters are going to be out early. So, we're going to be going with the Reds' run line in this spot to go along with the total over. We move on to 910 on the betting board. You've got the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they're going to be hitting the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. You've got Adrian Auzer going for the Brewers. William Cadeau is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and with the Pirates, you're going to be finding them... As a pretty sizable underdog year, anywhere between plus 170 and plus 188. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the broker, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus $2 and minus 207. Your total on this game is 9 over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for Hauser, it hasn't been a great year, but it hasn't been a terrible year either. I still remember last season. He wound up having a couple good starts. Wheels wound up falling off. He had nearly a 5-ish ERA. You take a look at him so far this year, he's going to be for one. Getting the advantage of facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates and for two. 3.66 3.66 ERA. The hard contact has certainly been given up 9 home runs over the course of 59 innings and more concerning is the fact that he's given up right in the neighborhood about 4 walks per 9 innings but you also take a look at what he's been able to do at home so far this year. 3.54 ERA. Opponents are in a 2.20 off of him. He is giving up a little bit too much with regards to home runs but he's been able to locate a little bit better as well and then you take a look at William Crow. He actually had a couple good starts for the team. game up with the Nationals last season but now he's given up 2 home runs per 9 innings he has given up right around five walks per nine, and he did take a look recently. At least three runs given up in each out of his last four starts, one of which was one and a third innings against the Chicago Cubs. So it's not necessarily too terrific. He's able to give you some swings and misses, but for the Milwaukee Birds, this is a team that they've scored at least five runs in pretty much two-thirds of their games here in the month of June. They're really starting to heat up. You've got quite a few guys that, well, the batting average is not necessarily there for them. You've got Luis Odias Daniel back, along with... Will you And you could even throw in there a couple other guys that are in between a 220 and a 230, Jackie Bradley Jr well below the Mendoza line along with Manny Pina, Daniel Robertson. You could even throw in there Jace Peterson as well, but obviously El Garcia has been able to give this team 12 home runs. He's hitting right around 240. You got to feel like at some point Christian Yelich is going to be able to pick it up. He's been able to do a solid job and be able to get on base with this team north of a four on base, but three home runs and over 100 at-bats. That's just something that you don't expect to see. Omar or whenever he's out there because he has been banged up all year long. He's been able to have nearly a four on base. Then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Top of the lineup is actually not bad. You've got Adam Frazier hitting at 333, nearly a four-on-base. You've got a guy in Brian Reynolds with nearly a four-on-base. Kyle Moran has been able to give you a little bit of something. 290 batting average, 353 on on-base. Jacob Stallings, he's not necessarily hitting for average, but he's been able to get on-base. But you take a look at Stallings along with Eric Gonzalez, could I go to Kai Tom, Ben Gamel, Kevin Newman, all guys for the team inning at 225 or Arthur and their Michael Perez as well. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they did have to use up a lot of their trustworthy bullpen arms yesterday. Chris Ryan, Jason Shreve, Richard Rodriguez all wound up having to pitch yesterday. Now for the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Ader has been used up in back-to-back days. Evan Williams winds up getting used up as well, so you're probably going to be looking at Brad Boxberger coming out of the bullpen for this team. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Sam Howard is able to give you a little bit of something, so that is going to be a little bit of the favor of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You take a look at the spot And I do think that the Brewers should be a relatively sizable favorite. I wound up saying them personally at plus 182, but I'll take a look at plus 187 and plus 188. And I do think that, as strange as it sounds, it's worth a shot here on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I do think that the Brewers' bats are going to start to disintegrate a little bit. I think that they're going to start to cool down, so we're going to be taking the under in the spot, set it at 8.8, and I'm actually going to be taking the plus price here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Nine eleven, nine twelve on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals set the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Zach Davies is going to be going for the Cubbies. Carlos Martinez is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are finding themselves as underdogs here, and rightfully so. Anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cubbies, anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145. Total on this game is nine and a half. and Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And the same goes for the under and for Carlos Martinez. It's not been going well for him. I need more like a plus 150 to even consider taking a look at Carlos Martinez in this spot. He actually wound up having a no-hit bid through six against the Arizona Diamondbacks like two weeks ago. And ever since then, he has just been absolutely terrible. You take a look at him for the season, he's got a north of a 5 ERA. He has not necessarily been able to get a lot of swings and misses whatsoever. And then he's going up against a guy in Zach Davies that, well, he certainly has had his flaws as well. But at the same time with Zach Davies, he's been able to pick it up a tad for this team as well. And he's backed up by a bullpen that has the best ERA over the last 30 days out there in the MLB. You take a look at Davies and what he's been able to do in his last five starts. He has been able to give up three runs or fewer in four of the last five. And if you take a look at more like the last four, one run or fewer in three out of the last four. Now, walks have been an issue for him. He has given up right around four and a half walks per nine innings. But you take a look at Carlos Martinez. He's given up our contact. He's giving up walks. The list goes on and on. It is not good. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals team. They did wind up having to use up a lot of their bullpen because John Gantt gave them five outs yesterday. So Alex Reyes wound up getting used up. Junior Fernandez, Adam Miller, Seth Alledge, Jake Woodford. So... That is not great, and while the Cubs had to use up Craig Kimbrel only for three pitches, so you've got to think that he's going to be available. You got to think that Tommy Nance, Joe Maples, these guys are going to be able to come out of the pen. And for the Cubs, 23 and 10 at home so far this year. Chris Bryant has nearly a 380 on base. He has been terrific. Jock Peterson is all of a sudden picking it up as well. 250 batting average, 460 slugging, gets his ninth home run of the season yesterday. Ian Happ after he was more like Ian Hepap Boo, he's more like Hepap once again. He winds up getting a home run yesterday. Sergio Alcantara is hitting a puff of 300 as well. You've got Wilson Contreras giving you a double digit amount of homers. Anthony Rizzo has been able to pick it up ever since he wound up dealing with some injuries. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, top of the lineup has actually been good for this team. You've got Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, pair of guys hitting between a 260 and a 270 and then from there, Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado, Yadier Molina hitting between a 275 and a 286. And then with Arenado, he's been able to give you a double digit amount of homers. And don't sleep on Tyler O'Neill. He's been able to belt out 15 home runs so far this year. Paul Goldschmidt hitting right around a 250 ish. You got to figure that that's going to pick up. They wind up getting back Paul DeYoung as well. And for DeYoung, even though he's not a guy that's hitting for any average whatsoever, he's been able to give the team eight home runs in something like 130 ish at bats. So he's actually been able to do a solid job with that regard. But I take a look at this spot. I'm going to be taking the Cubs on the money line because over the last few years, the team that wins the highest percentage of their games by one run as a favorite at home is the Chicago Cubs. So we're going to be playing it safe. Wound we'll up setting this total at 9.7 as well. Taking a look at the wind. Looks like it's going to be blowing directionally a tad. It might be blowing out a little bit towards the end of the game, but shouldn't have much of an effect. So we're going to be taking the over along with the Cubs. 9.13, 914 on the batting board. The Seattle Mariners set the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. Shane Bieber Fever is going to be going for the Indians. Logan Gilbert is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. So on this game, 7.5. The over is anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. Same for the under. They're making it nice and easy on me. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Indians, going to be laying a hefty price here. Anywhere between minus 245 and minus 228. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Seattle Mariners, going to be finding them as low as a plus 195, as good as a plus 210. And this is actually a very interesting opportunity because I'm going to be taking a look at the run line If anything, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 122 with the Indians. Seeing a couple minus 112s out there, that is calling my name. I just think that the Seattle Mariners are going to be very downtrodden after what wound up happening yesterday. They were up three runs, two outs in the ninth inning, and they wound up blowing it. They had a 99.8% chance of being able to win the game and now they get their reward of being able to face off against Shane Bieber Fever to try to redeem themselves. And for Mr. Bieber Fever, he has been able to give you 13 strikeouts per nine innings Right around a home run per nine innings, he's been able to do a solid job there. Walks are a little bit high, right around 3.25 walks per nine innings. And then you take a look at Logan Gobert. I do give him credit. He has been able to limit the home runs a little bit over one per nine innings. And you take a look at his last three starts. Two runs are fewer given up in all three of them. So he's been able to turn it around a little bit there. Sometimes gets a little bit wild with it. Had four walks in his last start. But there's no trusting in the Seattle Mariners bullpen, which was actually very good in the first month of the season. But Rafael Montero. Wound up blowing it yesterday. Kendall Graveman wound up getting used up. And he wound up giving up his first run of the year yesterday. So now you're going to look to guys like... Hector Santiago under second rider. Will Vest has been terrible since coming off the injured list. And for the Cleveland Indians, this is a bullpen that's gas. But Shane Bieber fever is a guy that's able to give you 7-plus innings on any given night. And he's going up against a Seattle Mariners team that is dead last in the lake. When it comes to batting average, you take a look at what they trotted out there yesterday. Tyler Trammell, Tom Murphy, Jake Bowers, Dylan Moore. All guys hitting a buck 90 or lower for this team. Kyle Seeger is not far from that, 206. Ty France has been able to hit a 250. Mitch Haniger, along with JP Crawford, both hitting between a 259 and a 269. And for Haniger, 16 home runs, he's been solid. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. I know that batting is not necessarily their forte, but you've got a couple guys that are getting on base for you. A guy like a Bradley Zimmer has been able to hit a 250 along with Josh Naylor. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Bobby Bradley, who's hitting a 500. Now that's not going to last, but at the same time, he's been able to give you a little bit of something... The Ramirez's. Harold and Jose Ramirez both hitting at 275, and then Amito Rosario sitting at 280. and for Jose Ramirez. 14 home runs. He has been able to do a good job for this team. I just take a look at the Cleveland Indians. Much more faith in their bullpen. Much more faith in their starting pitching. And this is a Seattle Mariners team that has been awful at being able to drive in runs but at the same time their bullpen has also been awful. Set the total at 7.2 so we're going to be diving under in this spot and I'm going to be digging the Cleveland Indians on the run line. 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board. The Toronto A.A. Buffalo Bougie set the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. For the Red Sox, it's one Martin Perez going for them. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray is going to be on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. For the Blue Jays, you're going to be finding them as a very slight favorite in this spot. You're finding them anywhere between a minus 110, and I'm seeing them as size as a minus 117. For the Boston Red Sox, as good as a plus 105 there, as bad as a minus 110, and your totals game is anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 9.5, over is a minus 120. The under is even on the 10. You're finding that over anywhere between even a minus 120 to go along with the under so you've got a very wide range there and for Robbie Ray I felt like he should be the underdog in this spot just because with Robbie Ray Sure, he's been able to have a little bit of a better year this year, but you know that he's going to give up bombs, and you know that he's not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen for Robbie Ray so far this year. 15 home runs, give it up at 64 and a third innings. That's right around 2 per 9 innings. Now, the walks per 9 is actually down to 2, but I have no faith that he's going to be able to maintain that. You take a look at Martin Perez. He certainly has been a little bit rough around the edges at home. His home ERA is currently at a 5.52; His road ERA is at 2.15, which I'm not sure how that necessarily works, but he's still giving up a home run per 9, In his home ballpark, he's able to get right around 9 punch-outs per 9 innings as well, which for him is pretty solid. And then he's backed up by a bullpen that has been pretty good all year long. Garrett Woodlock has been able to come in for multiple innings for the team all year long. Harakazu Sadomura. Darwinson Hernandez. These guys have been great. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. They are a little bit banged up. Xander Bogarts has missed the last couple days, but you've got J.D. Martinez, a guy that's able to give you a double digit amount of homers. He's hitting a 311 for the team. Rafael Devers has been able to carry the mail as well. 15 home runs, 272 batting average. You've got guys like Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, Christian Arroyo. In between a 255 and a 266 bottom lineup can be a little bit shaky, but still very good. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they certainly have a great lineup as well. Marcus Simeon, Bobish shit along with Randall Gridgick. All guys hitting at minimum a 270. All guys hitting at minimum for 12 home runs so far this year. They have been able to do an absolutely tremendous job. Flyer Guerrero Jr. We all know what he's doing. Twenty home runs. He's right now leading the league north of a four forty on base. You've got Teoscar Hernandez, who's been able to hit right around a two ninety for this team. Rowdy Tellez, Jonathan Davis. They need to pick it up along Bijio Biggio's been a little bit banged up, but Joe Panic, he's been able to do a good job, Lords Curial as well. But when it comes to the Blue Jays, the bullpen is cause for a little bit of concern. Anthony Castro wound up getting used up yesterday along with Rafael Dolis and Jordan Romano. So those are some of your bigger pieces. And then you take a look at a guy like a Tyler Chatwood. I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in him. Joel Payampas has actually been relatively solid, but Trent Thornton coming in as a long guy, I'm not sure about him. And I do think that the Boston Red Sox are going to be able to get the job done at home. And I certainly do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. I wound up saying this total in double digits as well at 10.6. So, I'm going to be going over, but I'm going to wind up taking the plus price here with the Boston Red Sox, despite the fact that they've actually had a little bit of a better road record than a home record this year. 917-918 on the main board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be hitting the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. You got Carlos Rodon, who's going to be going for the White Sox. Bullpen game for the Detroit Tigers with Kyle Funkhauser as the opener slash starter. Your total on this game is anywhere between 8.5 and 9, with the 8.5 overs minus 120. The under is even. On the 9, the over and under are both at minus 110. With the Tigers, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 205 and plus 208. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Chicago White Sox, you're going to be finding them minus 230. This is absolutely hilarious because this has been a really shaky Tigers bullpen, to say the least. I think I'm putting it as generously as I can, and... You take a look at what you're able to get out of the Detroit Tigers. It's not necessarily a whole heck of a lot. And with opener slash starter Kyle Funkhauser, he actually hasn't necessarily been too terrible this year. He's made 13 total appearances. He's got a 270 ERA. I don't think he's won past two innings so far this year. So that's not necessarily great. He's given up one home run in 16 and two thirds innings. And he's going up against a White Sox team that wound up scoring 15 runs yesterday. With the White Sox, you've got a whole bunch of guys that are doing a great job of being able to make contact for the team. It's not like they're getting a bunch of home runs. They got one home run yesterday, and it was from a very unlikely source. First home run of the season from Brian Goodwin. I mean, it's just everyone making contact for the team. You've got Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal, Along with someone like a Yohan Moncada, all these guys hitting right around a three hundred ish with really good on bases, really aside from Anderson, and even he has worked on that. Now he has Monty Grandal hitting a buck sixty three with a four oh three on base. It's still one of the more incredible things I've ever seen, but you've been able to get Yerman Mercedes to just continued to maintain at his 290 batting average. You've got Jake Lamb with right around 350 on base. Daniel Mendick, even though he's not hitting for average, he's able to get on base. And for the Detroit Tigers, to their credit, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to get on base. You've got Jonathan Scope, 260 batting average. He's now got a double-digit amount of homers. Eric Koss has been able to right around a 250. He's been able to give you eight bombs. And then you've got Robbie Grossman with a little bit north of a 350 on base. Isaac Paredes has not necessarily been too terrific, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something recently. You even take a look at some of these other, I guess you could call them lesser pieces. Like a hero Castro, he's been able to do an okay job for the scene, but you still have guys like Dez Cameron, like a Willie Castro, Noah Mazzara. Guys hitting at 2.25 or lower. And with this being a bullpen game for the Detroit Tigers, after they wound up getting five outs from their starter yesterday, that's not necessarily too terrific. You got to figure that Gregory Soto is going to be coming out. He's going to give this team multiple innings. I would think that Brian Garcia is going to have a hand in this as well. And then we take a look at the White Sox. Carlos Rodon has been absolutely incredible for this team. He had the no hitter to begin the year, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, giving up right around 2.3-ish walks per nine innings. Buck 96 ERA, he has given up one earned run or fewer in now four out of the team's last six starts. So he certainly has been able to get the job done with that regard. He's backed up by a bullpen that has been a little bit shaky. But Liam Hendricks, I think he's going to be able to give you some good innings. I do think that guys like Jose Ruiz and company are going to be able to get the job done with the White Sox. I was willing to take them on the run line up to a minus 138. Somehow, some way, this has crossed into my line, in which I'm going to take a run and a half with the Detroit Tigers. Currently at the Westgate, you're able to get a plus 140 on a run line with the Detroit Tigers. Now I've went through why the Detroit Tigers suck, but at the same time, you're getting a plus 140. With a run and half with the Tigers. Now, I do think that it might be a little bit of demolition derby here, but you actually do have a guy in Funkhouser that is a halfway decent starter slash opener, I guess you could say, because I think that this is going to be his first career start. Also wound up saying this is 8.2 because I do think that Rodon is going to be solid. So, I'm going to be taking the under. I recognize that the Detroit Tigers got destroyed, but prior to the series... Actually, I've been playing solid, so I'm going to hold my nose here, take the run and half at a plus 140 with the Tigers, and I'm going to be taking this total under. You can laugh at me all you want when the Tigers lose by, like, 10. 919, 920 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing host to the Baltimore Orioles. Bruce Zimmerman, with two ends on the back half of it, is going to be going for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Michael Waka, or should I say Michael Waka, 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 ch Going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays anywhere between minus 168 and minus 175 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, we're between plus 158 and plus 160, your total on this game is 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. If you're looking at the Rays run line, by the way, anywhere between plus 117 and plus 120, and that's exactly where I'm going to be looking. Waka, as he's done a couple times this year, he's really going to be the opener for Josh Fleming. With Fleming on the mound, I made this right around a $2 favorite. I do downgrade this a little bit because you do wind up having Michael Walker on the mound, but I made it an 8 cent difference, so I wanted making it more around a minus 193 when it came to the Tampa Bay Rays, and pretty much anything better than a minus 110 I was willing to take on the run line personally. I take a look at this spot and I do think that the Rays are going to be able to get to Bruce Zimmerman. With Zimmerman, he actually hasn't been the world's worst starter for the Baltimore Orioles and backed up by a couple guys like Cole Sulzer that are able to give you some solid innings. Zillan has been a little bit up and down, but really hard to have a lot of faith in these guys. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, Austin Meadows. He's not necessarily on the hot streak that he was like two weeks ago where he had like six home runs over the team's last nine games, but he He's doing a good job on base with him. It's hovering right in the neighborhood about a 335. You've got a lot of guys that... They've just been able to do that in general for this team. You've got someone in new shortstop, Taylor Walls, who's only hitting a 215 but a 343 on base. Brandon Lau hitting at the Mendoza line of 200, 311 on base. You've got Randy Orozarena who's hitting right around a 250, but more like a 350 on base. The list goes on and on there. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. The offense has actually been able to come alive for this team. They've scored four plus runs in really all but four of their games so far this month, so they've been able to emerge there. Freddie Galvis, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander. These guys are all in between a 244 and a 259 on base. With these guys, not necessarily terrific, but Cedric Mullins at the top, 320 batting average, and nearly a 400 on base. For Ray Boom, Boom Mancini. He has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting at 275, and you were able to get a little bit of something out of him off some wins yesterday. But he, Michael Franco, Pat Falica, Chan Sisko, Ryan McKenna, Stevie said whole bunch of guys hitting at 220 or lower for this team, which does have you quite. I guess you could call it distraught about this team. You did wind up having to use up partner, Harvey yesterday, who's been doing a solid job out of the bullpen and for the D- Tampa Bay Rays. They've just got arms upon arms that are able to come out of the bullpen. JP Eisen is going to be available. Andrew Kittredge has been able to do a great job with this team as well. And then you take a look at who I think is going to be the bulk guy in Josh Fleming. He certainly has had his ups and downs so far this year, but I think that he's going to be able to come in. I think that he's going to be able to hold down the fort. He's made five long appearances along five starts. So far this year, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around at 344. has been a little bit better when there is an opener going from Give it up right around one home run per nine innings, two walks per nine. Not a swing and miss guy, but... It is going to be a nice change of pace between he and Waka, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line with this total. I personally want up setting at 88.6, so we're going to be taking the over along with that Rays run line. We move on to 921-922 on the main board. Houston Astros hit the road off against the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda hopes to not be Michael Pineda for the Twins. Meanwhile, Framber Valdez is going to be going for the Houston Astros. Astros are finding themselves anywhere between a minus 128 and minus 134 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Minnesota Twins, going to be finding them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122 and your total on this game is 9 and f with the 9 and a half, you're finding the over anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 seeing even money out there as well with the 9 and a half. Unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. And for Framber Bervaldez, he has been able to do a very good job ever since coming off the injured list for the team. up needing a starter two to be able to get ramped up, but you take a look at him. Buck 47 ERA. Across three starts 18 and a third innings. Has given up one home run, four walks, punched out 22. That is all that you can ask. Meanwhile for Michael Pineda, he's actually been given up quite a bit of hard contact ever since he got to Minnesota. he have been doing a good job of being able to reduce on that right around 1.7-inch home runs per nine innings. But like Command is there. A little bit over two walks per nine innings. You take a look at him recently, he has given up three runs or fewer in four of the team's last five games. Problem is, he's not getting a lot of support around him. In each out of his last five starts, the team has scored four runs or fewer. Now, Miguel Sano has been able to give the team 10 home runs over the last 30 days, so he's been able to pick it up with that regard, but still hitting right around a buck 83. That leaves a little bit of something to be desired. Ore Palanco now has nine home runs. He's been able to give the team a tad bit of something. He along Josh Donaldson, Alex Kurtlock, Trevor Larnich, along Thunder Simmons. All guys hitting between a 245 and a 260. So you've got a lot of like minded Bad Sarah, and pretty much all these guys have an on base percentage between a 320 and a 344. You've got one guy that's been able to do a very good job in Nick Gordon, who's hitting right around a 350, but. By and large, it's been a lot of guys trying to piecemeal things together, Nelson Cruz looks to be over his injury, but still, it is a little bit of a mix-and-match lineup. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, all you need to mix and match is who you want to be able to hit right around a 285 plus for this team. Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Curiel, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa, all in that realm. Now, Correa might wind up missing this game, but you still have so many other guys, even a guy like Chaz McCormick. Has been able to give this team some home runs. Kyle Tucker, 12 bombs, 260 batting average. For the Houston Astros, bullpen has not necessarily been terrific, but you used up Brooks Raley yesterday, and he's got an ERA north of six. Ryan Presley is someone that I do like coming out of the bullpen in you know, early Paredes. After he had a rough start to the year, I think he's going to be able to pick it up And for the Minnesota Twins. it's a Robles and Taylor Rodgers are their two most trustworthy arms. Both of them wound up getting used up yesterday. Oreo Alcala has been able to give you a little bit of something. I do like the fact that you've got Ty Duffy still in this bullpen. Luke Farrell has actually been halfway decent as well. Farrell has an ERA of a 0.75 that, that's in a small sample size as well. I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Astros should be a favorite. Question is, how big of a favorite should they be in this spot I wound up setting them more in the realm of about a minus 128 we are barely at a minus 128, so I am barely able to take the Houston Astros in this spot, but we're taking the Houston Astros, and I wanted to saying this all eight and a half, so we're going to be taking the under to go log the Houston Astros. 923, 924 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals going to be in the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Chris Bassett has a hook, line, and sinker in this one. Meanwhile, Chris with a K, Boobich is going to be going for the Kansas City Royals. This is the New York Post play of the day, as we've got a total between eight and eight and a half. On the 8 and a half, under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between even and plus 105. On the 8s, you're finding that over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And if you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, Sizable favorites here at as high as a minus 210, as low as a buck 79. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Kansas City Royals, you're going to be finding them as good as a plus 175, as bad as a plus 162. And the New York Post today is going to be the under. I want to say in this total, well below eight. So I take a look at this, and I do think that you're going to get a nice pitcher as well, especially with the way that Chris Bassett has been able to perform all year long. He's done a great job of being able to limit third contact. In 81 innings, he has given up 7 home runs. He's given up right around 2 walks per 9 innings, 9.5 punch-outs per 9, 344 ERA, and then Chris with the K-Bubich. I do recognize that he has given up right around 4.5 walks per 9 innings, but you take a look at what he's been able to do so far this year. He has given up more than 3 runs and I believe, one of his appearances. He wound up coming in as a long guy to begin the year, and then he wound up being put into the starters role, and he has been able to do a relatively solid job. Did wind up giving up 4 home runs in his last start against the Angels, but... I think that he's going to be able to pick it up from there. And then you take a look at both of these lineups. Neither of them necessarily knock your socks off, especially from a batting average perspective. Now with the Oakland A's, what you do love about the team is that you've got a lot of guys that are able to get on base. Chad Pinder. Is now back in the fold for the team as well. He wound up missing so much of the season, so he's going to give the team an added dimension. But you take a look at Marcana, a double digit amount of home runs, right around a 370, 375 ish on base, 250 ish batting average. That is absolutely huge for the team. You got Matt Olson, who has been able to give the team a double digit amount of home runs. He's hitting a 285 with a 372 on base. Got his 16th yesterday. Matt Chapman, it's not necessarily been hitting so far this year, but he still has been able to find a way to get a 322 on base to go along with this. Two 220 batting average. He wound up going deep for this team yesterday. You've even got some like a Tony Kemp doing a great job stepping up. 280 batting average, 380 on base. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you have been able to get quite a bit of something out of Salvador Perez, along with Andrew Benintendi. Benetendi hitting just below a 300, and then you've got a guy in Salvador Perez who's hitting right around a 280, 16 home runs. He has been able to do an absolutely terrific job for the team. Calvin Gutierrez, along with Merrifield, pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260. Gerard Dyson has been able to give you a little bit of something as great wheels. But how about what we have seen? Or how what we have not seen, I should say, out of Aud Solaire, guy that's hitting right around a buck eighty with six home runs. He wound up having forty-eight. During the 2019 season, he has taken a massive dive. Answer Alberto able to get on base for this team, but you take a look at the bullpen as well. For the Oakland A's over the last three days, it has been one of the best ones out there in baseball. Diolias Guerrero could sometimes be a little bit up and down, but Birch, Smith, Lou Trevino, I have faith in these guys the here. Romero Petit has been very good for the team. Jake Deekman has been able to give you some nice innings as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, Josh Stamout is back at the full for the team. Greg Holland has been able to give you some good innings. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, these guys have been able to do a solid job as well. I do think that this is way too high of a price on the Oakland A's. The Kansas City Royals have actually been able to put together a halfway decent year. I do recognize that they should be an underdog but I set them at a plus 160. So I'm gonna wind up taking that plus price here. And with the New York Brothers today, like I was saying, we're gonna be going with the under in this spot. 925, 926 on the betting board, you got the New York Yankees hitting the road face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Superdola is gonna be going for the Phils. Domingo Hudeman is on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as underdogs here, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 118 and a plus 112. Seeing as bad as plus 109 out there as well. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, anywhere between a minus 119 and a minus 136 is your price there. Total is 8 to 8.5. On the 8 and a half, under is anywhere between minus 120 minus 125. Over is anywhere between even at plus 105. On the 8, the over is minus 120 and the under is even with Domingo Herman. He has actually been absolutely tremendous for the team ever since he wound up getting sent down to the alternate site. Ever since he's come back, I believe that the Yankees have lost just two of his starts and one of those was that extra inning game on Sunday Night Baseball against the Boston Red Sox in which they had 100 million billion chances to be able to drive in runs against Garrett Richards and they were unable to do so. He gave up one run in five and two thirds innings in that one and really ever since he got sent down to the alternate site, his ERA is hovering right around it too. He's given up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine overall for the year, less than two, he has been terrific. And for Aaron Nola, he's typically better at all than he is on the road a full point better on his ERA career at home than he is on the road but even at home he has been struggling a little bit you take a look at his last two home starts he's given up a combined nine runs over the course of 10 innings now he's also got 16 strikeouts in those as well but still between home and road starts he's given up at least one home run and four out of his last five starts and then you take a look at the New York Yankees the problem with this team is they are very top heavy when it comes to the lineup and then the bottom part of it is not necessarily terrific they're using Giancarlo Stanton as a little bit of a pinch hitter in this series he's not necessarily playing the field but at the same time it is a situation in which he could still wind up playing like three or four innings but you've got the slugs on this team Kyle Ligashioka Brett Gardner Chris Giddens Clint Fraser you can even throw in there someone like a Rudnett Odor. list goes on and on of these guys. They're hitting a 225 or lower. Miguel Anduar is actually hitting a 270. He has been a nice surprise for the team. George Shell Gleyber Torres, both hitting in that pocket as well. You've got Aaron Judge, who has been able to do a good job of being able to supply the boom for the team. Double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting for right around a 390 on base. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Odubo rare is hitting a 280 right now. I don't know how and I don't know why, but good for him. J.T. Riumito has come back. He's looked solid, 400 on base Bryce Harper. He's hitting right around 275. He has not necessarily been able to supply a lot of homers, but he still has a straw that serves a drink. When it comes to this offense, you've got Bryant Miller hitting at 275. You've been able to get a whole lot of something, by the way, out of Ronald Torres. Hitting a 300 for this team, I recognize that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of power. The analytics guys don't necessarily love him, but he does a good job of being able to move the chain. And then when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, Bullpen leaves something to be desired. Ranger Suarez has actually been a very good long guy for the team, but. David Ayle, Connor Brogdon, Archie Bradley, even Hector Neris. These guys have not necessarily been too terrific. I don't have a lot of faith in them whatsoever. And then you take a look at the New York Yankees. He did wind up having to use up Zach Britton, who was back for this team yesterday. Aroldis Chapman wound up getting used up. Chad Green, Wandy Peralta. So, you're probably going to be looking to Jonathan Luizga for quite a few innings. But I do think that Domingo Herman is going to be able to come out. I think that he's going to be able to have a relatively good start in this spot. I do think that Aaron Nola, he too, is going to be able to do his job. Job. I was willing to lay up to a minus 124 year with the Philadelphia Phillies. You got as good as a minus 119. I do think that Nola is going to be able to bounce back. Also wound up saying the total at 7.7. So we're going to be going under along with the Phillies. 927, 928 on the betting board. The Walker, Texas Rangers hit the road face off against the LA Dodgers. Walker Bueller is going to be going for the Dodgers. Dane Gitter Dunning is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers are finding themselves as sizable underdogs here. Going to be finding them as high as a plus 239, as bad as a plus 203. If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 245 and at circa they've gotten up to a minus 267. Tolls anywhere between a seven and an eight on the seven half overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120 unders anywhere between even a minus 110 on the eight unders anywhere between minus 120 minus and minus 125 overs anywhere between even and plus 105 interesting spot here because with the Texas Rangers they actually did a solid job of being able to get out on the LA Dodgers yesterday and for the Dodgers. The bullpen is not necessarily too terrific for this team. You've got quite a few guys like a David Price, Jimmy Nelson, guys that used to be starters that are now coming in as relievers. Blake Trying has been very solid for this team. And for the Dodgers, you take a look at the lineup that they wanted trotting out there. Among guys that are not pitchers, they had two guys. That added on-base percentage yesterday, less than a three that That'd be Zach McKinstry along with Albert Pujols. Now, Cody Bellinger has been banged up all year long, but guys like Justin Turner down for what? Chris Taylor, Will Smith, A.J. Pollock... All guys hitting at 270 plus. All guys with power. Now with the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia has been stuck on 16 home runs for seemingly three weeks at this point, but he's still hitting at 270 for the seed. We've got quite a few guys hitting in that pocket between a 230 and a 240. Jose Trevino, Nate Lowe. Bra Holt, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Wally Cowan. He's now hitting in the realm of about a 250. Isaiah canera Falafa has been solid. And for Joey Gallo, he's been able to do a good job of being able to give the team a little bit of contact as well. And for the Texas Rangers, the bullpen has not been terrific for the team, but they have found a couple guys that you're able to rely upon. John King, Taylor Hearn, these guys have been solid. Brett Martin is able to give you a tad bit of something. So I do take a look at that, and it does give me a little bit of something when it comes to optimism with the Texas Rangers. Now with Dane Dunning, you take a look at his home and road splits. They are vastly different. On the road, he is getting absolutely lit up. Road ERA of a 720-03 record in six starts. He has opponents hitting a 317 off of him. Meanwhile, at home, he has a buck 97 ERA. Opponents are hitting at 225 off of him. And he's getting right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. But now you take a look at Walker Buehler. He wound up not giving up a home run going into the 2021 season. At home since 2019, he has now given up 8 home runs at home so far this year. He's given up overall right around 1.3 home runs per 9. Command has been terrific. Less than 2 walks per 9 innings. Punch outs right around 8 nap per 9. So he's been able to do his job there. But when it comes to the bullpens, I don't think that the difference between the Rangers and the Dodgers might be as tremendous as we all think. And with this Rangers price... Getting up to a plus 239 at Circa. I'm going to wind up taking a shot there. And when it comes to the total, I wound up saying it at 8.2. Day game out there in LA. So it's a little bit more hitter friendly. So we're going to be taking the over along with the Rangers. And we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the betting board. You got the LA Angels hitting the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. John Duplantier is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, Patrick Sandoval is on the bone for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves as favorites here. You don't say that very often when they're on the road. Anywhere between minus 126 and minus 134. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, going to be finding them. Anywhere between a plus 115 and a plus 119. And your total on this game is 9 and F. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, I recognize that this is a team that has lost 31 out of their last 36 games. They have been absolutely terrible. You also have to recognize the fact that Patrick Sandoval, I believe, is 1 in 10 in his record for his career. It's been absolutely terrible what we've seen out of Patrick Sandoval. 1 in 11, so I am I apologize. I was actually trying to give him a little bit too much credit. Now, so far this year, he hasn't been too bad. 362 ERA. The whip is right around a 135, 2.5 strikeout to walk rate, but still, whenever I take a look at this guy, he's just a walking loss for the Angels and he's much worse on the road. 3.10 ERA at home, 5.14 ERA on the road. Opponents are hitting nearly a 300 off of him. He has not lasted long on the road either. And then you take a look at Duplantier, he actually has been a highly touted prospect the last couple years now. He has rocking a good old 10 ERA in his three starts so far this year. He has given up... Four home runs so far this year, and he has went a grand total of 11 and two-thirds innings, so that's honestly too terrific. And then we take a look at the years the Diamondbacks, their bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. Kevin Ginkle has been a hot mess for this team. Riley Spence has actually come out, and he's been a not-so-bad long guy, but... So, you take a look at that bullpen, it's not great. And for the Angels, the bullpen recently has been good, but I still don't have faith in Rossi Iglesias. I still don't think that Steve Ciszek necessarily a terrific pitcher. Alex Claudio has been using back to back days, by the way, so that's not necessarily great. Now, you take a look at the LA Angels, you do have quite a few guys doing a great job of being able to get on base for the same tier Walsh double digit amount of homers along Justin Upton. Obviously, you've got Shohei Otani with a double digit amount of homers. Now, with Upton hitting a 228, but Walsh a 291, Shohei Otani hitting Hitting more in the realm of about a 270 with a 350 on base. Anthony Rendon, he just needs to pick it up for this team. He's got four home runs because he wound up hitting one yesterday and a little bit over 100 at bats 241 batting average. Do I think that he's going to do so? Yes. Do I think that he's a waste of money? Yes, Juan Lagares, 222 batting average. Taylor Ward is hitting right around at 230. And then you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have gotten back a couple guys. Quitel Marte of the Marte Parte is hitting right around a 360 for the team. And Carson Kelly, 390 on base. He has been able to do a solid job. Josh Reddick is hitting at 290 for this bunch. You got to love the fact that David Peralta is hitting about at 250. Eduardo Escobar, double digit amount of homers. I believe that he's now got 14 this season. Josh Rojas wound up hitting a pair of home runs for the team yesterday. His power had not necessarily been there, but he's still got a 330. On base, Pave Smith, a 340 on base with a 290 batting average. So, I take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are going to be going up against Guy in Patrick Sandoval, I have no faith in whatsoever. John Duplantier, God, I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever either. I do think that regression is going to be coming in for this Angels bullpen. Set the Angels as a very, very, very slight favorite, but anything above a plus 105, I was willing to take the Arizona Diamondbacks here. I set the total above 10 because I do think that it's going to be a high-scoring game, so we're taking the over along the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Saturday. A big thanks to Bill Schmidt of Sports Map Radio for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one of two ways to be able to fire any question if you have it for this podcast. First way is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore E1. Keep in mind the letters E-M. They mean does not matter so always send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated and then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.